Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, so glad you're with us for the Monday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Jim Garrity is vacationing, as you know, if you're with us on Friday. Rob Long, contributing editor at National Review, uh, co-founder of Ricochet, co-host of the Glop podcast. And Rob, I've noticed lately you have something eerily similar to our podcast. It involves martinis. So clearly yes, we're doing something Yes, I have to say right. it's a martini shot. Listen, listen, I got to tell you something. I was doing martini shot. It was my, my sort of four-minute commentary about television and media and Hollywood. I started in 2004. Mm. Uh, so I think I have... If, if anyone's going to sue anyone, <laughs> that was your implication. I'm going to be suing you guys. So we owe you royalties. Oh, that, that's unfortunate. <laughs> that was there first. Good thing we're all in the same family. All right. Yeah. <laughs> on to our good martini now. And the ship in the Suez is free. CNBC, the ever given, the massive container ship that became wedged in the Suez Canal and cut off traffic in the vital waterway for almost a week, has been refloated. The ship is currently on its way to Great Bitter Lake, which is a transit agent at the Suez Canal. Once there, it will undergo a technical inspection. But earlier on Monday, the Suez Canal Authority said the ship had responded to the pulling and towing maneuvers and had corrected its course by 80%. It's one of the largest container ships in the world. The ship ran aground last Tuesday and created further disruptions in a global supply chain already straining under the ongoing impacts of COVID-19. So, Rob, you know, this is literally the ship that launched a thousand memes here, but there's serious implications due to this. I mean, you've got tons of commerce now getting sent all the way around the Horn of Africa, which is going to lead to delays, higher prices. There was some talk last week of another toilet paper shortage, which is apparently now an annual tradition in March. Uh, (laughs) But what do you make of uh, the fact that this seems to be headed in the right direction, and yet this has really led to a major uh, logjam, gridlock, when it comes to international commerce? Yeah, well, there's three lessons to this, right? The first lesson is we still move things on things. All of the conversations people are having about what do we do now that there's no Suez for a while, the Suez is blocked, are the conversations they had in 1820. You know, <laughs> they, they, they had the, these are the same. I mean, it's very, very humbling, and I think it's very interesting. The second thing you learn is that it's never big enough, right? So, like, you build the Suez Canal, and you're like, well, this is big enough, right? I mean, it's big enough. We don't have to make it bigger. Do we have to make it bigger? And they, no. What's really going to happen here? And then, you know, I've been on a container ship. I sailed across the Pacific on a container ship. And the container ship I sailed across is about I don't know, 70% smaller, 60% smaller than this one. This is an enormous, enormous ship. And no one ever imagined when they were digging that canal, what was his name, was the you know, Count de Lesseps or whoever it was who did it. No one ever imagined that there would be a ship this big. Um, and so that's another lesson we have to learn is that a lot of our infrastructure is built, has, was built as like these grand projects uh, 100 plus years ago that now seem tiny. Um, it's sort of the reverse of our experience in electronics, right, which is that everything's really, really huge and then it gets really, really small. Um, the, the truth is that we're, our, our, the size of our stuff now is enormous. Um, and we kind of forget that. And we just think, oh, it just appears at Walmart. Well, no, it has to come here somehow. And it has to come here because some people pick it up and put it in a box and the box goes on a, on a, on a boat and then the, box, the, then the box goes from a boat to the train or the truck. Um, 
that is a really great reminder that we live in a physical universe. I mean, people who are stuck on Twitter all day forget that. I, I always say that the 20th century, people say the 20th century is brought to you by computers, and that isn't true. I think the 20th century is brought to you by container shipping, which started in the, in the 50s um, and kind of revolutionized the world economy. So we're realizing just how important all that stuff is. And, and, so, and then, then the third thing is that like, you, you have to prepare for all of that stuff. Um, you know, there was they, things got stuck in the canal. You know, a year ago, six months ago, not quite so so badly, but they did. And if the canal is really important, you have to protect it. And that is an argument that we made when we invaded Panama. Um, and I'm sure there there are people thinking about that in Egypt right now about um, you know the, the the incompetence of the current leader who promised that he would fix this. Well, your ramifications all around. It's pretty. It's pretty fascinating. Significant. First of all, congratulations on getting Ferdinand de Lesseps mentioned uh, in a podcast. That doesn't <laughs> yeah, happen right. too yeah. often. But he's responsible for both Panama and the Suez Canal. Yeah, so, right, right, right. So he is a name that we should know from history. Uh, secondly. We might need another lane at the Suez if these ships keep getting bigger. And maybe, you know, Biden will probably sure. just add a few trillion to the next uh, transportation bill. Anybody notice? At, at this point, it's all monopoly money anyway. Right. But uh, the other thing is, you know, you got uh, a lot of these memesters uh, who probably look down on manual laborers, but they're the ones who are actually solving the problem. The memes are not actually going to solve the no, ship getting right. Uh, righted and, and moving. Well, yeah, that, that, you, you, yeah, you, yeah, you reminded me. That was my third point. My third point is, you know, if you're if you're a young person uh, listening to this podcast and you're thinking, you know, I really like, I want to study French poetry. Don't <laughs> engineering. There's still a whole lot of things that need to be built and rebuilt and made bigger and better. And then that's your job. So study engineering, young people. Put down the whatever it is that you're the TikTok and the pick up the slide rule. Social media is a mess, even when it's uh, functioning pretty much the way it was designed to. But now you got social media and big tech trying to curb our free speech in a lot of ways and attempting to deplatform speech they don't agree with. So you could just deactivate all your social media accounts. But in the end, that would kind of be giving the left just what they want in the first place. So instead of letting big tech sites try to control your speech, why not revoke their right to your data? That's why you should choose to protect your online data by using ExpressVPN. Have you ever wondered how free-to-access social media companies actually make their money? Well, you. You are the product by tracking your searches, video history, and everything you click on, and then they sell your data. When you use ExpressVPN, though, you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding that IP address. That makes your activity more difficult to trace and to sell to advertisers. What's more, ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from eavesdroppers on your network. And the ExpressVPN app could not be easier to set up. You just tap one button on your phone or computer and you are protected. It's finally time to say no to censorship and to take back your online privacy with a VPN you can trust at expressvpn.com slash martini. And by visiting our link, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash martini. Expressvpn.com slash martini to protect your data today. All right, Rob, let's move on to our second martini here. Uh, it's officially the bad martini. I think it's a bad martini, but you actually live in New York City, so I'm curious to see your perspective on this. And that is the idea of immunity vaccine passports. This idea had been floated in theory. Uh, some folks said, ah, oh, no, we're not going to need that. Uh, but as the vaccines have uh, been distributed now, more and more people 
uh, in the private sector as well, uh, deciding that they're going to want you to be immunized. It seems to be headed this way eventually, uh, once more and more people have had the opportunity to have their vaccine for airlines and, and perhaps private businesses. We just saw a couple of days ago that Rutgers is going to mandate that uh, any on-campus student in the fall has got to be vaccinated. Uh, here's the New York Post writing about this uh, vaccine passport in New York. The nation's very first vaccine passport is coming to the Big Apple. The program, dubbed the Excelsior Pass, is an app that will allow New Yorkers to prove their vaccination status or recent history of a negative COVID-19 test in order to gain entry to events and businesses. According to the news release from Governor Cuomo, Similar to a mobile airline boarding pass, individuals will be able to either print out their pass or store it on their smartphones using the Excelsior Pass wallet. And so you've got some uh, private businesses and perhaps eventually some government agencies, uh, public universities perhaps, public schools, saying you're going to need this. We're hearing tests uh, already in the works for kids now. So as private businesses, uh, you want to respect those rights. On the other hand, Rob, this idea from we highly encourage you to get the vaccine. We think it's a really good idea to you must or you may not do these things definitely seems to go too far in the mind of me and, and other, other people. But uh, you're in the Big Apple. What do you think about this? Well, I'm just happy that in um, New York City we can get the vaccine. I just got a push alert from my doctor saying I could sign up for one which is a grim reminder that I qualify under the age uh, limits here, which is sad. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a yellow fever passport, and I have a bunch of travel uh, medicine passports, so I can't imagine, and, and no one has ever once asked to look at it. I cannot imagine it's going to work, but I do think that there are people, there, there are people I know who've been vaccinated, or people like me who had COVID and have recovered, or had it recently, I had it in December, that we kind of like, hey, wh where are our privileges? There's got to be some benefits to this stupid thing, right? One of them should be that I get to go go get sit at a bar and order a drink. My problem with the New York State and my problem with Cuomo in general is that it, he's obsessed with punishments and obsessed with the regulations and restrictions rather than obsessed with the liberty aspect of it. I mean, schools have required vaccinations for a whole number of things for years. Um, so this is just going to be added to that list. Uh, if they're if the vaccinations are free and plentiful and any everybody can get them, I, I I understand I kind of understand why a school would just sort of fold it into the general, um, the, the general you know collection of vaccine vaccinations they require. The problem, of course, is that we know that young people really don't need it. Young people are going to are basically okay with this. Uh, it's just older people need it, um, like me, uh, and. <laughs> And so I, I'm willing. I mean, I kind of want the vaccine. I want. I'm going to do it all. But if you're going to want make me carry around a little passport on my phone, um, tell me what I can do. Give me some. You know, I need a little carrot. I mean, I need a little little fun here. It's like, can I walk into a bar? If I could do that, then I will sign up for that passport in a second. Um, if it'll increase my general liberty, I'm in favor of it. Uh, if it's just going to be one more thing for you to like restrict me or 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 nanny state me to death, then forget it. Yeah, so the idea of uh, get the vaccine, but you still have to do everything else to hunker down. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're allowed to remove one of your two masks. It's like, <laughs> give me a break. Exactly. I, I love your idea. And I think that's kind of the whole premise of this podcast is uh, preserving freedom. That's the main job of government is to protect our God-given liberties. And uh, freedom of movement is certainly part of that. Uh, we have felt that in the past year, to be sure. I think people, at least in the very beginning, uh, voluntarily went along with it. They wanted to be part of a an effort to to make sure that this 
virus was as uh, non-virulent right. as possible. Didn't necessarily work. And there's a lot of studies about whether the lockdowns did any good. But the idea that uh, more and more restrictions on, on freedom of movement and other things uh, are definitely troublesome. And we'll see where it goes. The Biden administration says it's now working on ways to facilitate the idea of the passport. They've said they aren't going to uh, mandate it for for federal government uh, situations, but uh, they they're trying to make it easier for you to get your vaccine passport if other people demand it. So I'm not sure I, I love that either, but uh, we'll, either. we'll see we'll see where it goes. It's like you said, smacks very much of nanny statism. So um, and the stupid stuff they they started at uh, after 9/11 that you that they never got rid of, like walking into an office building where you have to sort of show your ID and sign in and all that nonsense. Yeah, eventually we we have to push back on the, all of that. Probably this is not the fight because it's about a, a disease, and there's a certain amount of um, rationality behind it. So, um, but it is it is tiresome, and it, it and it doesn't get easier, right? No one we don't shrug and say, oh well, I don't even mind doing all the things I had to do after nine eleven anymore. No, we still they still they're still really irritating. Oh, absolutely. So if the bureaucrats think we're going to get used to this, they're they got a, another thing coming. Yeah, it's almost been twenty years later, and we're still taking off our shoes, uh, unless you have the uh, the pass there, the uh, TSA pass. But uh, no, it's uh, it's exactly right. And once you're conditioned for this, who knows what they'll make you get something for in the future? So uh, right. got to right. be careful how far you let the the toe in the door. But uh, <laughs> un- until then, I guess we can uh, try to relax, and you can do that with great products from my pillow. But they're more than just fantastic pillows. In fact. Uh, as we've been saying, they give the same attention they've given their pillows to their towels. Right now, three Martini Lunch listeners can get two of the uh, six-piece towel sets for one low price and free shipping. You know, buy one, get one free. My Pillow towels have proprietary technology that make the towels highly absorbent. They're soft to the touch without the lotion-y feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and 60-day money-back guarantees. They're washable and dryable and have seven colors to choose from. The six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, 30 by 56 inches, Two pack of hand towels, 16 by 30, and two pack of washcloths, 13 by 13. Great products. Using them uh, at, at my house right now. So go to mypillow.com to order and learn more. Three Martini Lunch listeners, all six piece towel sets are buy two for one low price and get the free shipping. Just use the promo code Martini at checkout or when you call 800 874 0104. That's mypillow.com code Martini or call 800 874 0104 for two six piece towel sets for one low price and the free shipping. All right, Rob, I know you've been noticing in the last couple of days that Jim Crow laws have returned, specifically with Georgia's uh, voter integrity laws. The Democrats are saying everything that they want to do in Washington with the federal legislation is to preserve and protect democracy. Anything Republicans want to do to cut down on even the opportunity for fraud is voter suppression. And of course, it's racist. Uh, things like presenting voter ID, uh, needing to prove who you are when you get an absentee ballot or turn it in. Uh, and the thing, of course, that the uh, Democrats are really focused on now is whether you can get a bottle of water while you are standing in line to vote. This has been the big talking point over the past couple of days since it was signed into law by Governor Kemp. Uh, here's Joe Biden reacting to the passage of that bill. The new Georgia election law. It's an atrocity. The idea, if you want any indication that it has nothing to do with fairness, nothing to do with decency, they passed a law saying you can't provide water for people standing in line while they're waiting to vote. You don't need anything else. 
to know that this is nothing but punitive designed to keep people from voting. You can't provide water for people about to vote. Give me a break. Why don't you give us a break, uh, President Biden? Because, uh, Rob, as your colleague Dan McLaughlin has pointed out uh, in National Review Online, this is not what it seems to be. You can obviously bring your own beverages. You can also get water from unaffiliated, non-political vendors uh, who happen to be around. Uh, right. As he puts, as he points out in the story, you can't take it from people from in an NRA hat or a MAGA hat or a SEIU hat. People who obviously have a partisan interest in the election right. or, or from the campaigns it's not that complicated you know there's no politicking by the polls that's kind of old right that's super old rule uh not quite as old as the president but it's old um <laughs> and yeah exactly also like like i don't see any i've not seen a human being in public in years walking around who didn't wasn't carrying a bottle of water people seem to be constantly drinking out of bottles of water they constantly have we didn't have bottles of water 30 years ago like that didn't even exist if you'd said 30 years ago, I want to go buy a bottle of water, people would have looked at you like you're insane. Now, of course, we uh, we have special little carrying cases for our bottles of water. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure that the nation is like so thirsty that it needs to be protected by the Georgia state legislature. The weird thing about all of this is how bizarrely old it seems. We have had two or three cycles, uh, certainly last one counts, where there has been an astonishing voter turnout. The idea that the problem in this country is voter suppression is weird. If you want a full expression of the voters will, meaning every eligible voter to vote, then the the smart thing to do is whatever we're doing now, we should just keep doing whatever we did in 2016 and 2020. Uh, we need to keep doing because the trend line is more voters, more people going to the polls, a greater percentage of eligible voters expressing their will. That is good. The, the news is good if this is what you care about. Um, I, I frankly don't. But if, if, if you ostensibly if you're a Democrat and you're, you're President Biden, and you care about this issue, you should be celebrating. We just had an, an, an my God, he got a hundred was one hundred and thirty five hundred forty million people voted last time. That's an enormous number. So whatever it is that we're doing, we're succeeding at it. We should just keep doing what we're doing. And instead, the Democrats seem to be reading from a script that they found in a box from 1963. It's like, well, <laughs> we're not there anymore. Like, you, you take yes for an answer, you know, take your winnings, like do more uh, if that's what you care about. Um, and I, so I find all of these sort of weird kabuki arguments to be sort of sad, you know, exhausting, really, because I think people, you know, if you're not in. If you're not in Georgia, if you're in California and you fill out an absentee ballot, you got to prove who you are. You got to put in your, I, I think it's a social security number. Maybe it's your, it, I think it might be your driver's license number. You have to prove who you are to send an absentee ballot. And all, and plenty of states, and they seem to be doing okay. Um, just the idea that this is not a problem we have in America. We do not have a problem in America of people's vote being suppressed. We simply don't. That is a de- demonstrably false. And it's just it's weird to me that the Democrats are spending so much time and energy and noise and volume on a problem that we don't have. Amazing. And an amazing start to the week. So, Rob, thanks for being here today. You'll be here through Wednesday. So looking forward to the next couple of days. Appreciate your time. Happy to be here. Rob Long is a contributing editor at National Review. He is also the co-founder of Ricochet, the co-host of the Glop podcast and the host of The Martini Shot.
which is also available on Ricochet. So check it out. Uh, I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Remember to subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Remember to get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. There's, of course, at Jim Garrity. Rob is at RCBL. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday, and please join us on Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.